your host, Nick Ginsberg, and you're listening to The Open Drive, a podcast focusing on authentic living and defining your own path against the odds. Hi there, welcome back. Episode 12, can you believe it? And two days before Christmas, how exciting. I hope the fat, white, uh, bearded man brings you something. Wow, that made him sound creepier than what I wanted it to. I hope Santa brings you something good. And Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, uh, all of those things. Now I've done that. I want to remind you that if you enjoy this podcast, please make sure you share it with your family and friends. It's the only way I'm going to reach the people that I need to reach. Make sure that they are hearing my story so they can get something out of it. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen so that you get notified when new episodes are released. And finally, remember you can follow the podcast and myself on Instagram at The Open Drive and at Nick Ginsburg. In this episode, I want us to talk about what I like to refer to as the Brisbane years. This may be a one-parter or a two-parter. There's a lot of info that happened across this time, and I want to share that with you. So as you know from my episode, uh, talking, I think I titled it Teenage Roller Coaster, um, just being a bit fancy, <laughs> I moved to Brisbane when I was 19 with my best friend, Colin, and it really had such a huge impact on me. It's where I learned how to be really independent. It's it's where I learned who to trust as a friend and who not to and uh, what my boundaries were as a person. It also allowed me to have the time to focus on me. What did I want? What were the things that made me happy? Um, I didn't have to look after anyone. I inevitably ended up Oh, I looked after some people. Uh, it's what I do. I still turned into that sort of maternal figure. <laughs> but but it, it enabled me to really discover myself. And so I want to talk you through some of that stuff. So, 19, moved to a share house in New Farm in Brisbane with my best friend Colin. He had already been living there. We shared the tiniest room ever. I've already told you this. Pretty, pretty uh, full on. Um, one thing that I remember from that place is there was a massive shared kitchen. It was, I think it was an old, maybe nursing home or hospital or something like that, but there was a massive shared kitchen. It was quite big and the bathroom wasn't huge, but it was decent size. And it was kind of like an old Queenslander where you'd walk upstairs to get to the, to the top. And it was in a beautiful area of New Farm. If you don't know where that is, uh, it's kind of on the water on the Brisbane River. And beautiful green trees and green grass. Just really a stunning location, to be perfectly honest. Really um, amazing. But tiny, tiny, tiny room. So uh, how we didn't kill each other, I have no idea. We had some decent fights, but nothing sort of uh, super drastic. Um... <laughs> But Colin also got me my first job, uh, my first, I would say, real independent job. I'd worked as a telemarketer beforehand and done some shifts helping out a medical center and stuff like that. But this was my first job where I was paying rent. I had to budget and pay for living expenses and be an adult. Uh, 
and that job was being a a, a door person or a, or a security I forgot what my title was it was like something stupid like security attendant at Supre so if you don't know what Supre is uh, it is a uh, I'm going to say cheap and cheerful fun store for, for girls of a certain age to buy clothes. Um, no hate to them at all. It was a fun, fun, fun place to work. And so Colin got me the job, went for an interview, got it amazing and started earning an income and started meeting people outside of my trusted comfort zone. So started meeting people I worked with, some of Colin's friends, was amazing and not long after that I ended up meeting Jess who is one of the closest people to me she is one of my best friends Jess is one of those people that will do anything for you once you're her friend and she loves you and has has you in kind of her her circle she will do anything for you I, the first time I met Jess, uh, Colin and I were going out. I think we were going out with her to go see a, a movie. And I actually, maybe that wasn't the actual first time I met her, but it was around then. Um, and Jess hates scary movies. And so Colin and I lied to her, um, which isn't a good trait, by the way. But we lied to her and said that the movie Ghost Ship was a comedy. I'm pretty sure that's what we said. And... That was the start of our beautiful friendship. So her and Colin went to school together. Uh, I'm going to totally embarrass both of them now by saying that they were both on the cheerleading squad at Bodesert. Uh, and that's how they met. And so they were already friends. Jess had worked at Supre as well. And then they warmly welcomed me into their, their little group of friends, which was amazing. And Jess is absolutely still one of the closest people to me in the whole entire world. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I'm always giving her shout outs for her amazing business and all of that. She is just a phenomenal person. Also, her wedding in Sydney a few years ago is where Ricky and I got engaged. Don't worry, we didn't get engaged at her wedding. We got engaged the day after at the hotel. Uh, Ricky had planned it. We were staying in a beautiful place. Um, with her and her bridal party, which included uh, Colin and I. <laughs> so that was very lovely. So a very special connection. But uh, so as the Brisbane years went on, there was lots of obviously going out. We were young, going out, having fun, dancing. I ended up, I would go out to these gay clubs where everyone would be drunk or lots of other things. <laughs> and I would just be dancing all night. There was a girl I met at work. Her name was uh, Dee. And her and I used to go out to this nightclub in Brisbane. I think it's still going, hilariously. On Sunday nights, it uh, turned into a gay club and it was called Fluffy. And we would go there and just dance all night completely sober. So many people would, would come up to me and assume that I was drunk or on something. And I never was. That was just, I just really enjoyed dancing and having a good time. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. What happened is as I, and I think what, it, what, what happened at, around this time, I started reaching the age of 21 and 
and I decided that I would go back to mum's for Christmas. So I'd gone up, I think I'd, I think I'd maybe only been up there for like 10 months, 10 or 11 months. Uh, so I would have been 20 then. So went up to mum's, uh, went down to mum, sorry, for Christmas. And I got down there on New uh, Christmas Eve and she was at home by herself uh, completely drunk and hadn't prepared anything for Christmas and we were having family over the next day. And this was one of the biggest turning points for me in terms of looking after myself. And I look back on it now as such a positive experience because uh, it forced me to really take care of myself even when people are in need, which I didn't always do before that. So I got in the car. I didn't have my license, by the way. Um, got in, although if anyone's listening from the law, uh, I did have my license. Um, drove to the shops uh, and had to buy stuff. So I took a card. I bought what I thought we could cook and came back and helped prepare and all of that. And then... I left on Boxing Day to go back up to Brisbane and I said to her, I'm not going to talk to you or have anything to do with you until you get your act together. And this next part is something that mum has really wanted to share. So I've, my mum has dementia and, and, and I told her that I'm doing this podcast and asked for her, uh, uh, approval of, of sorts. Uh, I was going to do it, but I wanted her support. Um, I wanted her to be okay with it. And she said, absolutely. And this is actually the story that she wanted me to share with you. So I want to pass this on. So what happened after that? So I really meant it. So I stopped talking to her and I didn't talk to her for a long time. Uh, six to 12 months. It was somewhere within that gap. And I talked to mum every week at least. And so I stopped talking to her. She wrote me letters. I wouldn't write back. I meant what I said. I needed to look after myself. I couldn't keep putting myself in this situation where I wasn't being looked after. And then I don't know how long it was, six to 12 months she reached out to me and said, Nick, I've been sober for, I think it was three months, which was huge. Mum had never been sober for that amount of time. And this is a story she wanted me to share. So addiction is really hard and an illness. I've said this in other episodes, but I really need people to understand it is not something that someone necessarily chooses it is really hard to break the cycle. It is also really hard to get yourself better. Mum had been through a number of rehabs and AA programs and none worked. Really, honestly, none worked. And then I refused to talk to her and she decided that any time she felt like she wanted to have a drink, she would go for a walk. And she would get out. And that's what she did. 
Now, I didn't actually know this at the time. She told me about this recently when I was talking to her about the podcast. She said the biggest tip for her in getting sober, and she's been sober since then, so since I was about 21, or just before my 21st birthday, that that worked for her, keeping her mind occupied. So anytime she thought, oh, I really want to drink, she would put her shoes on and go for a little walk. Or she'd get out into the garden, drive down to the shops, which can be dangerous. But she got out and did stuff. And then as the time went on, she got better. And that was all when I was living my life in Brisbane. I was devastated not to be talking to her, but I needed to draw a line. So when she told me that she'd been sober for three months, I went down not long after that and I found out that she had been crossing the days off on a calendar. And she did this for years after. Uh, Years. I'm not even exaggerating. She would cross every day that she was sober. She had the odd slip up. I think she had... I think she fell off the wagon once or twice, but it was for a day and then she got back straight back onto it. And that was it. And so for the the second half of those, or not even the second half, the majority of my Brisbane years, I had mum. It was incredibly positive. She would buy me things. She was saving money. And so that was in, that was incredible for me. It was really, really, really incredible. I'd never had that before. What throughout my childhood, Mum and Louise, predominantly it was um, Louise, but they would take money out of my birthday cards. So family would give me money in a birthday card, and I would never see it, or it'd be end up being stolen from me. However, later because they needed to quote unquote borrow it, and so to have Mum buy me stuff and have money to to give me is such a foreign thing and it was and and I'm not a materialistic person but when you've never had that and that starts happening I I could not have been happier and so I would spend more time with her so I would go down and visit her and the relationship was really getting better this was also the time where I started my career so I left Supre after working there I think I was there for maybe 2 years two and a bit years And when I say it was a fun job, I mean, 90% of it was a really fun job and 10% was horrible. Um, uh, It was a hoot. I did enjoy it overall. Uh, Taught me a lot about dealing with different kinds of people. Uh, It was great. And working in Queen Street Mall in Brisbane City was also really good. Uh, Super great life lessons. Uh, So... Yeah, really cool. And then I got my first quote-unquote corporate job working for Suncorp. I was just in their call centre. It wasn't anything super exciting. But that's when I started really honing in on what I wanted. So what I was good at. I was I was good at uh, customer service. I was good at creating relationships. I was good at productivity and efficiency. I, I That's when that started happening for me. And that's really cool to look back on now because that's what I do now. That is, that's it. I've honed it so much that that's, that's really what I'm really good at. So that's cool. And 
throughout those Brisbane years, obviously all of the stuff that people tend to deal with in their teenage years would pop up for me in my 20s, in the Brisbane years, because I hadn't really had a chance to do that. So friendships falling out, little fights, dating. I dated a few people, um, (laughs) which was, again, remember that word is loose. I dated people. (laughs) It was not long. But really such a great time for me to establish friendships and to start trusting people and understand that I don't need to keep myself protected from the world. That the world isn't as big and scary or as big and bad as what it could possibly have been if I had imagined it when I was a kid. I didn't have to protect everyone. It was okay. And so there's lots of really fun memories I got to go to a bunch of concerts with Colin in particular. We saw Christina Aguilera twice. We saw Robbie Williams twice. Um, uh, We were clearly not saving much money. (laughs) We saw, oh, this is a fun one. We saw Lady Gaga as a support act for the Pussycat Dolls. And we were front row. And I still have a video on an old personal YouTube account. Uh, I may share it if I get enough DMs. Uh, of Lady Gaga singing Poker Face on a piano and looking straight at me. Uh, Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) So uh, that was cool. There was so much fun stuff. We got to to do some travelling. We would go down to the beach. We went to Melbourne, which was when I'd moved back down from Brisbane, but still, um, still with Colin and and, uh, his then boyfriend. And just getting to live life, coming into my own, really cool. Obviously, demons were there and they would creep up at times, as I've discussed in previous episodes, but the Brisbane years were a hoot. It was a lot of fun. And then I moved. So at the end of the... So coming towards the end of the Brisbane years, Colin and and James had and I had lived together. So James was Colin's boyfriend, had lived together for a while. I was... I'd had enough of Brisbane... And I was 23 when I decided to move back down to the Gold Coast. And I thought, that's fine. I can live near mum. And so I moved in with a friend and I got a new job at a new bank. I worked at Bank uh, Bank West. And I got to meet Kelly, who is my other best friend. And between the three of them, they have helped me in words I ca- in, in ways I can't even express. Um, I have an enormous amount of gratitude for the three. So Colin, Jess and Kelly, um, they were part of my wedding party when Ricky and I got married. Um, they're amazing people. But Kelly and I met because we both worked at Bankwest Helensvale. And again, just when you have people around you that you just love so much... It's just so much fun. And Kelly and I spoke about things that I think most people would would deem to be off topic, but we spoke about them. We talked about mental health. We talked about uh, depression. We talked about my struggles. We talked about my childhood. We shared such a great love of music. So it was a hoot. 
I lived with a, a friend at the, at the time and we would go out all the time. And then just before I moved to Melbourne, where everything changed, I moved back in with mum for about six months, I think it was, maybe a bit more. And that was amazing. I got six months with mum and I. She was so good. She was in such a great place. We got to have amazing, amazing times together. And that's really cool. That was really, really cool. And then I moved to Melbourne. So that's my Brisbane years. There's a lot in there. And as we go through these episodes, like every part of my life I've spoken about, that's just skimming the surface. I want us to dive deeper into all of this stuff. So you will get to learn more about me um, through those moments. But the Brisbane years helped me on the path that I am now, understanding who I am, what I'm willing to stand for, what I won't accept. And that's important. I got to carve a life out for myself with thanks to my friends. And I'm forever grateful. So the Brisbane years were, I would say, 10 out of 10. Really great. Of course, there was still stuff happening in the background with Louise and all of that, but that was really amazing. So, a lot of fun. That was quite fun to rehash, actually. It was quite fun to think about. And I want everyone to know that's listening, I don't sit down, you can probably tell, but I don't sit down with a script. So, these are not scripted. I have a subject that I think I want to talk about, and then I just talk. I talk in my walk-in. I'm currently sitting in my walk-in. My dog is laying down next to me. You've probably heard him sigh. Um, (laughs) If you don't know what my dog looks like, you should jump over to my personal Instagram account and check him out. He's very cute. Uh, He's a little sausage dog. But I don't prepare. So I just sit down and talk from the heart. And so that was really fun to relive. I really enjoyed that. That 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 was a lot of fun. So on that note... I want to wish everyone a happy holidays. There's going to be an episode coming out uh, in a couple of weeks. I'll do one in the new year. We'll, We'll have a break in between Christmas and New Year. Let everyone spend time with their families. And I will talk to you in 2021. How cool is that? I mean, last year I said all I want is a flying car and instead I got bushfires and coronavirus. So I'm, I would like to avoid that. Um, so Flying car or not, 2021 is going to be a great year. And uh, I hope you have a happy new year, happy holidays. And remember, if you enjoyed this, please share, subscribe, do all of that. Have a blast. And I will speak to you in the new year, in the new episode. See you later.